0: Greet you in Jesus' name. You can turn to Nehemiah if you will. Plan to look at that book this morning. If you could, uh, to start your thinking there, I appreciated the the Bible, uh, or the Sunday School, and I liked the way Marlon ended it there. Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me to way everlasting. So, I'm getting you to start thinking this morning. If there was one thing that came to your mind when Marlon gave that, or when you read the Sunday School, if there was one thing about yourself that you think God wants you to change, if there's one thing in your life that tugs at your heart when when you say the words, Lord, search my heart, and if there's anything in there, if you're... Uh, these, these besetting sins are so besetting, and uh, it's so hard for us to sit here. With what God done for us, we should be able to say, no, we're all good, we've got everything straight. But so often there's, there's things in our lives that that come to our mind when, when we say, Search me, O Lord, and see if there be any ways that you'd like to change. What is one thing you would tackle Uh, whether it be at work or parents, child, relationships, spending more time with the children, what change could you make today that in a year from now you would be at a different place? That, or, or what possibly thing are you fighting in your life that a year ago you were also fighting? You know, authentic, being authentic, being real. Acting like you're more spiritual than you are. Todd said about hiding things and that kind of thing. You know, in your marriages, you start out like this. And then somehow life and wind and rain and stuff happens and you find yourself like this. And a year later... You find yourself like this. And if you work at that, next year you could be in an altogether different place than you are right now. So in Nehemiah, a lot of times when we look at the book of Nehemiah, we look at, uh, how working together, the, the, the lesson of synergy of working together, how we uh, just all work together and how much we can accomplish. And that there pretty much uh, tells us what Nehemiah is all about. But there's another aspect that I see in there that I'd like to talk about this morning. Um, Nehemiah and Ezra and Esther happened the way I understand the same time. And I understand an uh, interesting thing that Ezra and Nehemiah, in the Hebrew Bible, were one book. And they became two books through the translation and so forth. And so, Nehemiah, uh, that, I'd like you to keep this in mind as we look at it. Nehemiah was a layman. He he wasn't a prophet like Malachi or a priest like Ezra. He was a layman. But God used him uh, in, his, uh, in his business. He was used to organize. He was a cupbearer for the king. And he was used to pull men together to get things done. And that was where his uh, uh, talents were, and that's where it was. And they built a wall. And you know the story of Nehemiah. So they built this wall, and I was interested to see how big was this wall. And it was about 2.4 miles long uh there's various uh dimensions on this wall but uh the one said uh about uh, 4000 meters 2.4 miles and it was about 39 feet high and about an average of 8.2 feet wi- wide that's why people could walk on the top of it there but you know the story how uh Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king. He was a wine taster and he would uh, do the king's biting and so forth. And he heard about his people back there. And uh, he was sad about it. He cared about people. He was touched. And when he said, hey, you know, things are really bad for your people. And he was so sad about it. And so he prayed about it. And when he went to give the king his wine... And a lot of times a wine taster would taste a wine to make sure it wasn't poisoned and to make sure it was fine. But he gave the king his wine and he was sad this particular time. And the king wasn't used to seeing him sad. And he said, you know, for all the time we were together, you're, you're not usually sad. What's going on? There must be something going on. And uh, Nehemiah said, yeah, how can I be uh, positive or how can I be happy with what my people are going through? And the king said, well, how can I help? What, what can I do? And he had prayed about this. And it's amazing how there's no miracles in the book of Nehemiah, but it's amazing how God works through all this kind of thing. And, and the king said, what can I do to help? And that was the prayer that Nehemiah had said. He said, you know what, if you could let me go for a while. Back then, they took their duties. It was a little more of a slave Thing rather than, uh, than a help thing. Uh, today, uh, if you have a boss, you tell your boss, hey, I can't make it because I got a wedding to go to, or I got to go somewhere. Back then, it was a little different. You had to ask for off there. And so, uh, he said to the king, you know, if I could have some time off. And the king said, yeah, you could have some time off. What can I do for you? He said, you can have time off if you agree to return. That you don't disappear on me here. If you come back again, you can have time off. Not only that, the king said, "I'll send some supplies with you." The king said, "I'm going to make you governor of that land there, so that you can, that you have the, the, uh, the okay to pull things together there." And uh, so, Nehemiah was sent with a few people to watch out for him and he was sent with supplies and he was sent with stuff. When he got over there to the wall and to the place, he didn't tell anybody he was there. But what he did first was he did an inspection. Exactly what I was asking you this morning. He walked around and it was close to dark. It was getting dark and he was looking at the damage and he was surveying it and seeing what needs done here. And he picked one thing. He, there was other things that he knew that were wrong. Uh, and he worked at them uh, as time went on. There was a void of leadership there. Uh, there was things where, there was problems where they weren't keeping the Sabbath on, on Saturday. They would haul things in and, and they would set them up to sell and that kind of things. Uh, and there was uh, there was a problem with uh, people charging uh, and a really bad interest rate to the poor, and they kind of had them over the barrel. They needed the money to live, and so they charged them a big interest rate. Their back was to the wall, and they they needed, and so they, it was really exorbitant what they were charging. He knew of those problems, but he picked one problem, and I think. The, as we look at this this morning, I think it's a pattern for you to win battles this week. I think there's a, a there, there's a real pattern here. First of all, he walked around and he did an inspection. And so he walked a couple miles and he looked at the gates, he looked at where the walls were down, and he looked at the problems, and he decided where to start this thing was to rebuild the wall. That's where he was going to grab a hold of this. And as soon as he started a good work, like in many of uh, your lives, uh, there was problems. People tried to discourage him. They mocked him. Uh, The officers were standing there watching and they said, What are a bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think that they can build a wall in a single day with just by just offering a few sacrifices, by just praying a little bit, think they can win this battle? Do they actually think they can take these stones from the rubble and make something out of them? One guy said, you know, this was, uh, Tobiah was beside Sanballat, and Tobiah said, you know, even if a fox would walk across the top of that wall, it would fall down. And uh, so that was the atmosphere. He went back to the leaders the next morning. He said to them, you know what I think we ought to do here? I think we ought to rebuild this wall. And they said, yes, let's do it. Let's rebuild this wall. Because they were so discouraged and so down because uh, all of, people were able to come in through the gates and the wall and pillage. And they were there. there was just no safety, no security and so they started building the wall, and Nehemiah led out, and he was on the wall, and he was working on the wall, and they got a lot of flack from it. And he kept, uh, the thing that he says here was so helpful to me. The thing that, when when Sanballat sent a message and said, hey, you guys are building the wall, let's meet in a little village in Ono. Let's, somewhere, you pick you have your people call, my people, we'll set up a date, we'll do lunch, let's talk. You're, you guys are working on the wall, we're not so keen on that there. Let's meet for lunch. And the thing that he said to them in Nehemiah 6, he said, uh, you know, this guy came with a letter from Sanballat, and Sanballat was somebody back then, and he tapped on the scaffold or tapped on the ladder and he said, Hey, here's here's a letter from you. And what it said is, Hey, let's meet for lunch. Let's do lunch sometime. And his response says, Look, I'm doing a great work so I can't come down. And Sam Ballad was a political figure and had some power in those days. And he said another letter. And the guy tapped on the ladder or the, and gave him another letter and Nehemiah said, hey, I am doing a great work. And you tell Sam Ballad, I can't come down. The third time, and you know this story, the third time he sent a letter and he said, let's meet, let's talk. And Nehemiah said, I can't come. I'm doing a good work and I can't come down. The fourth time, Nehemiah was handed a letter saying, let's meet. Let's get together. What did Nehemiah say the fourth time? They tried to distract him, tried to get him off of his job, tried to get him uh, to get away from what he was concentrating on, tried to mess him up. He said, you know what? I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. I'm going to stay right here, and I'm going to keep working. So, enemies of the Lord, Satan doesn't give up. He sees a good work going on. He cranks up the the pressure. The fifth time, the letter tone changed a little bit. And the fifth time, they said, there's a rumor Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building the wall. You want to be king. You want to be the boss around here, and uh, tried to d- intimidate him. He said, "Our suggestion is that we get together and we talk about this." And of course, he said, "You know what? I'm doing a good work, and I can't stop. I can't come down." And he kept on the wall. And they were all working together and when things would come, when the armies would start, uh, threatening and they had to rearrange things and they set up, uh, this, this, uh, Nehemiah was used to getting the right men in the right seats. The guy that knew how to run a wrench, he was running a wrench. The guy, and he knew how to get everybody, and as you go through that story, almost everybody helped. Almost everybody put their shoulder to the wheel. Not everybody did, but almost everybody helped. And uh, when they tried to really crank the pressure up and saying, you know what, the king is going to hear about this and you're going to be in trouble, Nehemiah knew it wasn't true. Nehemiah knew they were starting rumors against him and he just stayed building the wall. And you know, an interesting fact for the time that it says that none of the men ever changed any clothes in that period of time. I'm talking about they had laser focus on what they were doing. There was a wall torn down and they they just stayed in the, in that mode. They didn't change it. Still later they tried something else and we'll read this to add some uh some weight to it there. Still later Shemiah, I believe his name, and he was a crippled. He was confined to his home. And Sambalad and some of these, uh, people got to him. And he went after Nehemiah. And he, and Nehemiah went to visit him. And, uh, he said to Nehemiah, hey, they're gonna kill you tonight. We gotta hide in, uh, in the church. We gotta, we, your enemies are gonna go, uh, And I love his answer with that. He was, Nehemiah was so settled in his duties, in his work that he was doing. Nothing was gonna, so some of these here were pretty scary things that they were bringing to him. And this shut in, if you, you you gotta believe this guy. What, he's shut in and he's on, and he's trying to help and he's saying, hey Nehemiah, we gotta go hide, we gotta do it tonight. And, uh, Nehemiah says, should someone in my position run from danger? I got to I got to build the wall. I can't I can't hide. I'm not going to be distracted by this. Should someone be afraid? No, I said. I'm going to I'm going to keep building here. And I was amazed at the you know, it says we prayed all night and day. We armed the people, we encouraged the people. We said, "Don't be afraid." We kept working. One hand with a weapon and one hand building the stones. It says, early and late, from sunrise to sunset, no showers, 52 days they kept at it. And in 52 days, they had built the wall. 52 days. And they're looking at it. The, they had put the, the gates up. They had built the wall. And at that point, the the braveness kind of drained out of those around him. It said everybody looking on knew that it, it was a, a work of the Lord. <coughs> Nehemiah 6. Now it came to pass when Sembalad, and this is just going over some of the things we reminded you of, and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. This was when they were starting to build and they had the wall part way up. And then Sennbalad and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. And I send a messenger unto them saying, I am doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I sleep and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them the same, every time in the same manner. I can't come down. Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand, Wherein was written, It is reported among the heathens, and Geshmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. So come now, therefore, let us take counsel together. Then I send unto him, saying, There is no such thing done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hand shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hand, Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, the son of I'm not sure who was shut up, and he said, "Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us shut the door of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yeah, in the night will they come to slay thee." And I said, so "Should such a man as I flee? And who is there that?" being as I am, would go into the temple to save his life. I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Therefore he was hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin, that they might have matter of an evil report, that they might reproach me. My God... Think thou upon on some ballad according to these works, and unto the prophetess Nodiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. Get this. So the wall was finished the twenty and fifth day of the month Elul in fifty and two days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathens that were about us saw these things, there were so much cast down in their own eyes, and they perceived that the work was wrought of God. They came to the end of and towards the end of Nehemiah, and it was really neat how Nehemiah arranged things there, and they had a celebration, they had a dedication for the wall. And he set up two um, corrals, uh, like we had here Wednesday night. Uh, he set one up to go one part of the wall, and one up to go the other part of the wall. And they walked down the wall singing, and they met at a certain place. And he said, you know, people, this isn't the day to be sad. This is the day to drink uh, good meat and sweet drinks. Uh, the Bible says. And this is the day to celebrate and to give to those who don't have something to celebrate. And this is the day to really rejoice because the joy of the Lord is your strength, he tells them. And they all had this good time together and they all heard this good singing and they all just really rejoiced together. But without those 52 days, without those Uh, a laser-focused time, there would have been no cause to celebrate. I'm doing a great work. You can't distract me. You can't stop me. You can't overwhelm me. You can't threaten me. I'm not coming down. And the wall got built. In each of us, things in your life And things in my life have a potential to ruin us. They have the potential to drag us down. And in your life, something comes to mind. Something comes to your mind and say, you know, I should work on that. But there's so many times in the past that we say, hey, we should work at this. And then Monday we kind of cool off. And we kind of don't grab a hold of it there. It's hard. It's too hard. It takes... It takes focus, and it takes energy, and it's way too hard. But your wall being down has the potential to ruin you. And, and I, what I'd like you to notice is how Nehemiah, he worked at other things. He worked at their interest rates. He said to these guys, hey, that's too much, and you've got to help these people. And they worked things around and, and their heart was in the right place. And a lot of the things that he aco- uh, accomplished in the book of Nehemiah, none of them benefited himself. Uh, they were, they were all things that he was seeing and he was bringing to pass. Uh, let me remind you, here was a layman. He wasn't a priest or a preacher or anything like that. It was a lay person who had gifts that the Lord was using From his business, from what he was in, he was using that. But he showed us here a pattern of what it would be like to win a battle. And those around him perceived that the work that was wrought was of our God. And here's the thing that, as I thought of this here, a lot of us, a lot of you have battles that you've tried this already, you've failed. Um, whether it's a health issue or whether it's a... And, and a lot of times we get like this. We ought to fix something at the car. And we let it go a little bit, and then we ought to fix... Uh, then there's something else uh, that's broke. And we let it go, and it it overheats, but only when we run it. So we kind of just let it go, and, and we ought to get other tires on it. And we ought to do this. And you kind of think, you know, I don't even know where to start anymore. And that can happen with your own body, with your health. It can happen with, it can happen with uh, your house. But it can happen with your spiritual life, where you say, you know, I just don't know where to start. There's so many things that I have to work at. The tires need changed. The wipers, I can't even use. The door latch, I bungee it shut. I I don't know right what, where to start. And what I think he, the reason I think this worked was his laser focus. If there was one thing, one thing in your life, that would make a difference in a year from now. And you say, ah, it's too big. But look at this wall that they built in 52 days. What one thing, if you would focus on, would make a difference? Now, you don't have to. You don't have to fix the tires. You don't have to fix the relationship with your parents. You don't have to fix your spouse. You don't have to fix your marriage. It's here now. You don't have to try. But if you do, it's going to be hard. It's going to take hard work. It's not going to be easy. And it's going to take focus. So what have you been fighting with for a year? For two years? For five years? For 20 years? And you say, I hate that. I know it's wrong. And I still gossip. I hate that and I know that and I still get angry. I still, anger controls me. What is it? What? And, and, you know, if you get discouraged, if there's so many things in your life that you say, you know, I might as well just sell the car. Uh, But if you do one thing, if you fake, if you concentrate, Nehemiah said, let's build the wall. Let's do this. And people tried to get him off of the wall. They tried to, if you, and I guarantee you, if you make, if you say, I am going to fix this relationship or I am going to fix this, I guarantee you, Satan's going to send people to wear you down Monday. He's going to try to get you distracted. He's going to say, let's go into the village and get coffee and talk. And you're just doing this to show off. You're just trying to be somebody. You're trying to be more spiritual than anybody else. You're just trying to show off. But next year, what could you change right now and accomplish with laser focus, put it behind you in 52 days, and next year it would be an altogether different playing field than you're in now. (coughs) Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended But this one thing I do. That's a a thought that I would like to leave. This one thing. Know ye not that they which run, run the race to win. As if there's only going to be one winner, Paul says in another place. I'm going to do everything I can to win. I'm going to run this race. And Paul uses that there terminology of a runner. He's training himself I'm going to run to be the one that wins. Do one small thing intentionally. Ephesians says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Or to paraphrase, don't meander and just drift around. Don't don't just take it as it comes. Don't aimlessly walk through life. Circumspectly is not a word that we use often, but uh, Paul uses it in the Greek. It's an accounting term. And it's referring to precision and careful, careful counting. Don't just roll with the flow and walk through life like you couldn't care less, like nothing matters. I liked how he did this. I liked how he went there. And first of all, he had an inspection And he didn't have any input from the local leaders there or anything like that. And he walked around and looked at the damage. And to me, it's such a beautiful pattern if you in your own life would walk around and look at the damage. Look where the walls are down and pick one thing to start on. Check out the ruins. You will never build walls of your life until you have first become greatly concerned about the ruins if you don't care there's nothing no change is going to happen if you really couldn't care identify your faults evaluate the greatest needs pick one pray and then persevere he said I'm doing a good work and I can't come I can't come down I'm going to stay on this ladder on this scaffold I'm doing a good work and I can't come down Let's kneel for prayer.